roll it. So welcome to the Church Mag podcast. Um, blessing here. And today, or with this particular episode, I don't have Jeremy Smith or Eric Dye with me. And I am joined by uh, Bobby Gruenwald. Um, in South Africa, I'd probably would have said Gruenwald. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, and uh, I think the one line I'd probably use to introduce Bobby would be um, he's a pastor at Life Church. And I think his title is still includes innovation leader which i think is like one of the coolest titles ever and um and probably known more for um you know being one of the key people behind the bible app or you version uh bible app um welcome to the church mag podcast uh bobby it's great to be with you blessing thanks for having me for me life church and for many actually um uh, you know, is is an amazing example of um, of using tech uh, as part of their mission. Um, if I can use it that way, and I don't know if you view um, you know some of your innovations, which would include like the Bible app and church online platforms and other resources as such. Well, we definitely um, we definitely like church see technology as a tool. And, um, but it's interesting, Life Church didn't necessarily start with any particular emphasis on technology. So the church started in 1996, and our pastor, senior pastor Craig Rochelle, and his wife Amy started the church. Um, but they just wanted to reach people, and they were very passionate about it, you know, willing to do what would be more unconventional approaches to it. But quite frankly, it was all just driven out of a passion to reach people. And so as the church began to grow, uh, there was no technology involved early on. In fact, when my wife and I first came, I think our best technology was air conditioning and that barely worked. It was not a, it was a very, very low tech church environment. However, that kind of core passion to reach people um, is what drove us to say, man, what kinds of tools, what, what else can we do? And God began to assemble people that were a part of our church, including myself, that had backgrounds uh, that were in technology or familiar with these new technology tools. And then we began to just take and reflect the fact that the church began to reach some of these people like me and, um, and begin to say, okay, well, how can we use our gifts and talents to propel this mission forward to reach people with the gospel? And, and so over time, in, in the last, you know, almost 20 years, um, maybe 19 years or so, we've started to leverage technology in a much more intentional way. And then really in the last 14 years, um, we've, we've seen technology not just as kind of a tool to use inside of Life Church, but really a missional tool that we, that we use and have developed a couple things like you mentioned, the Church Online platform and Church Online uh, itself, as well as the free resources and other digital tools like Uversion that we make available to the world. So those have been kind of missional outreaches of our church um, because we felt like we could do more with the technology than just simply facilitate our local church. And so, so today, Life Church does use a lot of technology, um, but even today, you know, the real core driver though is not the technology at all. The, te- the real core driver is this passion to do what we would say is anything short of sin to reach people that, that don't know Christ. And, 
Um, and so as long as technology or different things we're doing become, we remain effective at doing that, we'll keep doing it. But if something else comes along, another tool or another approach, uh, it's really that core passion that drives it. So I would hope and believe that we would adapt to whatever other tools might be available as well. And so have been some, so you mentioned that you obviously initially didn't set out that way and somewhere along the journey, then uh, real embraced um, the tech and the tools that came along the way. What were some of those pivotal moments like, you know, the times that you decided, wait a minute, maybe we needed to be paying some more attention to this or allocating more resources. Sure. So, so when, um, when I first came on staff, I, my, my background before I came to Life Church was that as an entrepreneur. Uh, I had um, two tech companies in the late 1990s. Uh, my degree was actually in finance, so I, I haven't really been trained in technology, but <laughs> I've always had an interest and kind of a passion for it. In many ways, growing up with it, it's a bit more native for me. And, um, and so, but I have ideas and I tend to find the people that are able to build these things, you know, and, and kind of bring vision around it and bring people together to do it. So that's what I did in business and had some success. I was very young, um, but, but felt like God was leading me or believe God was leading me out of that entrepreneurial space, at least in business into a full-time role in the church. And that was back in 2001. So when I first came on the team though, um, there were some technology problems to solve, but really, Back then, our team were very much generalists in that we did a little bit of everything because there weren't very many of us on, on staff. And so if there was a problem that needed to be solved, that's what we worked on. And, uh, and at the very beginning, I think my first title, the official title that I had was New Campus Development Leader. So the whole concept of doing right. church in multiple locations was something that I was very involved in, the strategy and all the learnings behind it. So the first... I think seven campuses that we did, my job was to sort of get them off the ground, you know, the, the zero to 60 mile an hour phase of, of uh, just going from nothing in a city and figuring out where we're going to meet and all the details, logistics, all the parts that kind of go into starting it, which, which kind of fit with my, my startup experience, you know, in business. But it wasn't particularly focused on technology. In fact, it really had very little to do with technology, you know, that, 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 at that time at least. And, um, and so I began to process, you know, about four or five years in that was growing and we were doing a lot in that area and the church was growing. Um, but I was really processing why God took me on this journey through business and these technology companies and, and felt like it had to have a purpose that was, was greater than just, you know, a financial return or, um, you know, just an interesting experience, but rather something that God was preparing me for, for ministry. And, and so some of those specific experiences um, begin to birth ideas that, that became what we do today. So you mentioned church online and the concept of church online is, is really taking technology and using it to connect people to each other, uh, not just to connect them to content, but to, con- to create community. And we use content as sort of a catalyst for that. So we have online services where people can have a group chat, connect one-on-one and, they happen, you know, 80 plus times per week for our church. Plus we, we make the technology available to other churches to use as well. But that idea was actually birthed out of one of my experiences in business, which is when I, I'd owned the largest professional wrestling website 
Yeah, and this is back in <laughs> late 1990s. And I, I, you laugh about it because most people do because it's exactly what you think that that is if you're familiar with professional wrestling. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's, neither, it's neither professional nor wrestling. It's kind of an interesting, uh, interesting thing. But they, uh, what, what we had, though, on that website that was really amazing was we had hundreds of thousands of people that every single day would get up and, and interact and have community around content. They were, um, there's articles that were written about all the storylines that were going on in pro wrestling. These people would connect online and then they would also connect offline um, all around this content. And they were a very diverse group of people. They, they came from all walks of life, from, um, from parents that stayed at home with their children to um, stockbrokers to, uh, you know, lawyers to, to people that were blue collar workers, just <laughs> lots of different, a, a wide range of, of people that were fans of pro wrestling. And I just kept thinking if this many people could, if technology could bring this many people together around pro wrestling, surely technology could be used as a tool to connect the church or connect people around church. And that idea you know, became birthed in, in me from that experience. And I, we had to wait a little bit before we could do it. We, the idea actually came in around 2002, but the ability to do it, we, we felt like at the right timing of it was 2006 when we launched it because we were waiting for a greater percentage of the U S and of the world to have a higher speed internet connection. Cause we felt like video was kind of a key component to it. And so we wanted to wait for the technology uh, uh, to catch up basically to the idea, uh, to launch the idea. And so we did that in 2006. And now, of course, it's um, a big part of our church. And then there's you know thousands of churches now that do church online uh, using the platform that we developed. And of course, there's many other churches that do church online in different ways and different platforms today. But, but at that time, it was kind of a, uh, a different concept people didn't think about technology as a tool to connect people to each other. They really felt yeah. like technology was primarily content delivery, a way to yeah. sort of get information out, you know, to people. And, um, and of course, if you go back in the history of, of the internet and, and our technology curve, you recognize that 2005, 2006 timeframe was really the beginning of when this last, you know, uh, 12 years to 14 years or so we've seen this, um, this explosion of social media, um, Facebook, all these things sort of begin to emerge around that same time frame. So not only did we have the idea about how technology can connect people together, but, but many others begin to see that opportunity as well. And, um, and so now, you know, today it's pretty commonplace to think of technology as something that can connect people together because we see it happening over and over again every day. I like that idea of, um, you know, this online engagement, which then transitions or augments this uh, offline connection as well. You know, we're looking at what technology is doing, but how can we actually contextualize that? Uh, you know, where you're looking at a lot of churches today and, you know, one of the things that we come across often, you know, some of the church mag team is churches say statements like, our church doesn't have a lot of resource, um, but we recognize the need and opportunity that exists, you know, through some of the tools that are available. So how would you engage with that kind of statement if you had to be sitting across the table with them? Yeah, well, first, you know, lack of resources is actually one of the key ingredients for innovation. 
Um, people that have a lot of resources typically don't have a lot of innovation. But, um, but if you lack resources, that's one of the key drivers, that and kind of a passion, you know, uh, something kind of driving or the why, you know, behind it. So I would view a lack of resources as um, something that's a benefit if you're wanting to drive new ideas. But that being said, I think churches oftentimes overlook the most important resource that they have, which are the people that are in their church. They think they're about resource a lot of times in terms of staff or financial yeah. resources or maybe facility. And, um, and the truth is that the church are the people and the wealth of resource that you have to, to use this, these new tools and technologies are oftentimes the people that are sitting in the seats or the pews in your churches. And that's where I was. I mean, I was playing keyboard on the worship team as a volunteer and I played, I served every week in church. I loved the church. Uh, what was interesting though, is as, as close as I was to the church and I probably was, you know, as close as any lay person could possibly be in terms of my level of involvement. I mean, I was there every weekend multiple services. I spent most of Saturday, most of Sunday, you know, at church, all um, serving, you know, volunteering and serving. But as close as I was, I never once connected the dot that what I did in business and with technology and with innovation that, that it had any application in ministry. Like I never thought, oh, this oh. could be something that could help the church. And so, What's interesting is the only time the, the, the way that got connected was when I sold the last company that I had um, back in 1999, an article appeared in the newspaper and my picture was on the front page of the newspaper with details about the sale of the company. And one of the pastors at our church saw the article and said, isn't that the guy that plays keyboard on the worship team? Meaning he no didn't way. really know me that well. He recognized my face, but... I never talked about what I did in business at church and I never even thought yeah. it was relevant. Um, and so he went to lunch with me and at that lunch and he began to ask kind of what I plan to do next. And, and one of the questions he asked was, have you ever considered using those experiences and what you've learned in business? Have you ever considered using those in ministry? And at the time, you know, I, I honestly just said, no, I, I hadn't. And then he, you know, went on to kind of basically just, you know, put a, uh, and just an initial spark in my mind, I didn't know that was possible. I'd never even thought about that. And what's ironic about that is that like my entire life and my gift mix and everything is all about connecting dots. Like I'm an idea person. So I always am like seeing problems and opportunities and coming up with solutions. I'm kind of inventive by nature, you know, by, by just my skill set. But but even in spite of that, I still didn't connect that. So I, I, I share that just, just to say that sometimes the talent that we have or the resource that we, you know, to use kind of a biblical reference, that the talents in the form of resources or that we think we don't have is actually buried in our church. We don't mm -hmm. oftentimes know it's there. We may not see it. Or sometimes we see it, but we're like, why hasn't that guy in our church that, that knows a lot about this why has he stepped up to help us with it? And the answer is because you might not have, you might need to help him connect the dot. Like he might not realize that it's needed. And the leaders in our churches, sometimes um, they, they might give a bit of lip service to it in the sense that they, they say that they want to, to, to use these types of tools. But the question is, would they really be willing to empower people, you know, that are in their churches to, 
to use their gifts to make it possible. And, and I think if they did that, they'd find that they probably have more resource than they realize. And then I'd say just a third thing on the same point, because there's just like multiple ways to look at the same problem, is that many of the tools that are available today, technology tools, are now free, are essentially is free to use. So you can use these platforms and you can build global influence and have global reach on platforms that actually do not cost any money. They just okay. simply cost your time. They're the type of thing that you could find people in your church that, you know, could learn them or can invest themselves in learning them. And so it really just takes vision and leadership because it, it takes far less resource than what people think. Um, version did not start with a budget. Um, and Church Online didn't start with a budget, you know, that was allocated <laughs> to start it. It started yeah. with a vision. It started with a vision. And it didn't have an employee, it didn't have staff, it didn't have paid staff. It, they, these things, you know, started with basically an idea that someone took and led and, and cast vision and found the resources and found the people to do it. Um, and I just think um, a lot of times we, these things become really excuses. I think the church did, doesn't quite realize that there's a huge opportunity there. Um, we just need to kind of move past these excuses. I mean, the church we probably have so many people. You don't get uh, such a concentration of diverse people in terms of the skills that they bring in. I think that's a very encouraging um, insight that you might actually have people in your church and you might, that you're just overlooking. But when you're looking forward and in terms of just the looking at where the church is in general terms, globally, I think you sit, you have a very unique vantage point that you're able to see what's happening globally or at least you've got a reach, a global reach. And from what you can see in a general global sense and, uh, and number two, in a local church kind of thinking, where is, you know, where do you think the focus should be going in the next, let's say five or so years? As in, um, I don't know if that's, a, if that's a good question, but like, where do you think the park is going? And, you know, if, if I'm using hockey terms, I think when it comes to specific technologies, a lot of times when people reference the where does the puck go, the hockey reference, um, you know, they oftentimes are talking about like, how do we know, like, what technology should we be focused on so we could kind of yeah. begin to work on that now and, and this is kind of where things will be uh, so yeah. we can be there ahead of time. And, and I try not to actually think or focus that same way because I find that um, – it's far more limiting to try to predict exactly what might happen one year, two years, five years from now. Yeah. I actually try to focus more around speed and agility mm-hmm. and build the way that I think and the teams that we have to where they're able to respond quickly and that they're geared towards learning, you know, like they don't, they're not like overconfident kind of in their knowledge, but rather yeah. they're yeah. really humble in position to learn uh, and I would just say the most practical thing I think that would better position churches in general. And obviously our church today is a little bit more unique in the fact that we have many, many people on our team now that are full-time staff that focus on these types of technologies and tools. And, and, and we have, you know, things that God's done with version and church online that, that just naturally have grown it into, um, you know, relatively, sizable organization around it. So that's not usual and typical. So when I think about more like where we started and more of what I think would be practical 
for churches is if I were a pastor today of a church, really of almost any size, um, what I would probably be focused on is trying to find out how I can, one, really train young thinkers to see themselves as ministers, to help do exactly what happened in my life when I had that lunch, you know? that, that it didn't mean that I needed to leave the business or the marketplace in order to be in ministry, but just the idea that what I was learning or doing in business or that who I was as a 23 year old, I think at the time could be used in ministry that I could begin to think about ways that this could reach people, ways that this could impact the world. And I think if, if leaders really kind of bring that type of mindset and teaching and vision to younger thinkers. And I say younger thinkers because it's not all age related, but it's definitely mindset related, you know, but people that are, are kind of native to this world and this experience that we're in today with the technology, I think that will better position the church to have the, the right types of responses as things change over time. There'll be a generation of people that are coming up saying, okay, I'm looking for ways I can share Jesus with my friends. And, and I know how to use these tools because I already know how to use these tools. You know, I don't like have to, to learn it. Like I, it's natural for me. It's a part of who I am. And, but, but the difference though, is that I'm thinking about it from the mindset of, of the gospel. I'm thinking about it from a missional purpose, you know, to it. And I think that, that church leaders need to help unlock that for people I need to help kind of inspire people to do that. And the more that we can do that, the more new ideas, whether they're a U version or a church online or whatever will emerge. I mean, it, you know, many of these things inside of me were begin to be birthed and were based in experiences and opportunities that I had when I was very young. And my ability to see them was, I was at an advantage because of my experiences and because of who I was in the, in the spot that I was in at the time. And that gave me sort of an advantage that I, I wouldn't have expected everyone else to see, you know, at the, at the same time. And I think we need to figure out how to do the same thing for a generation of people. And that would better position us to be quote, where the puck's going to be, you know, in the future, because we yeah. would be dynamic and vibrant enough as a church to be able to respond. Uh, a lot of times, even when you take Uvers- the version story, for example, the initial idea for version was around a website. Um, a website that actually failed. The original idea didn't really work to engage me and others with the Bible the way that we hoped it would. And it was after a lot of work, a lot of effort, um, very visible failure, meaning that, that it was very public. It wasn't like this kind of quiet thing that no one knew about. It was just that it just simply didn't do what we hoped it would do. And on the backside of that failure, because we're not afraid to fail and try some things, we begin to process what, um, why it failed and, and if there's anything we could learn from it. And what we learned was that we were using our mobile devices all the time and we're using our computers less. And mm-hmm. we thought, I wonder if we redesigned it for a mobile device, you know, and, and we did it for the Blackberry cause that's the mobile device at the time, you know, that yeah. everyone had, or most people were using. And, and the iPhone had just come out and Steve Jobs announced to the world that they were going to not just uh, sell this iPhone, but also allow you to build apps and create an app store. This was after the iPhone came out. It was kind of a separate announcement. And so that day, because we saw that the website on Blackberry was, were, was working, we put it on a mobile device, we said we should try 
to to build an app, you know, for this iPhone and for the and for the App Store. And and what I tell people is that I I did not have any advance notice of that announcement. Steve Jobs didn't call me, you know, and say, "Hey, guess what, Bobby? We're going to make this announcement here in a couple of weeks. You know, here's what's <laughs> coming." I had no idea, you know, that this is sort of what was going to happen. I certainly didn't have any idea what the impact of it would be or the or the response would be. But what I was it was in a position where I was looking all the time for like opportunities and, and I was very, my mind was very sort of tuned in to what was happening and, and how this could impact scripture because we were very focused on, it. you know, we were sitting there yeah. and we were, we were, we were already learning this and we we're just positioned to move quickly. So the only thing that I did was just react quickly. You know, I saw that and thought, this is like, this is it. This is a great opportunity. We should try this, you know, and see what happens with this iPhone app. And yeah. so that was from, I don't know what time they announced it, but it might've been April or something. And, and I think by July, it was July of 2008 when the app store launched. So it was just a few months later, you know, that, that the app store launched. But, but I think if I had, you know, sat back five years earlier and tried to predict that, you know, one day there'll be a mobile app. So we should start working on a mobile app, you know, to have ready in five years because that's where everything's going to go. Um, one is that wouldn't have worked because there wouldn't have been the opportunity. There wouldn't have been a platform. I wouldn't have known what to develop it in. Apple didn't, you know, iPhone didn't even exist. Um, the marketplaces for it didn't exist. I mean, it, it, you know, all those things had to kind of emerge. I, I really had like three months, you know, to respond, not five years. And I tried just to use that as an illustration because that's much of version story is that being first in the app store was a big part of, of why it was there the very first day. It's a big yeah. part of why um, it had such early momentum, you know, in growth. And that did not come from a five-year plan. It came yeah. from a, a, a readiness position, you know, a, a, a focus on speed and agility and, um, and, and, and just being tuned into it. So sorry for my long answers, but that's no. uh that's it's basically the, uh, the, the gist of it. Those are great. Having some of that context just helps appreciate the depth of some of that. And I think this is actually very helpful for a lot of other people I've been talking to who try to you know, serve the church from a tech perspective. Send us an email, podcast at churchmag. And if you leave us a review on iTunes, we'll be sure to share it on an upcoming episode. The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com.